Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're speaking with Robbie Burton about heart rate training. Going to just get into the heart of the matter. Oh, very good, Ben. Yeah, Was it? Yeah. No, I don't think we're allowed to. Allowed <laughs> listen, to listen to your heart. All that stuff. Oh, um, Follow your heart, guys. Very good. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's an area actually, Ben. I think you probably have delved more into than me. Unsurprisingly, to listeners who know me as some, something of a. A Luddite. Of, <laughs> well, the Luddites have run in. The thing is, you'll know more about it than you think. It's just that I've looked at like what it appears like on a screen, whereas you'll know mm. you know a lot about it. You'll know what you're you, you're you're very good at managing your effort. You know, you know what it feels like. You just haven't got like you haven't quantified it with a with a a zone or a number on a screen and yes. got oh. So when I'm doing that and it feels like this, that equates yes. to me sitting at 168 beats a minute and feeling sick. Like that's kind of mm. what heart rate heart rate training is all about. Robbie gets into it in, in in much more detail and with great eloquence and all those sorts of things that you expect from him. But um, yeah, it is something that I've used for training and I still use for training and I like it because it's a useful metric when it comes to sort of effort. But it's one of lots of different metrics and it can be affected by lots of different things so it's not like gospel and I think that's the important bit and Robbie gets into that yeah I think that's it I guess the hope with these things is that we want people who maybe feel a little bit intimidated by heart rate training or maybe have some preconceptions about it to to finish the podcast with a bit more clarity perhaps that'd be on good this issue so, so that'd be nice wouldn't it oh look I've got a bit of news you can use which is based around heart rate training so this, this, this is a bit of chat for you your max fat burn zone is at roughly 60% of your maximum heart rate according to a new study and for those who use heart rate zones that's zone 2 intensity so um, wow that was incredibly yeah. generalised I hope that study's more succinct than that. <laughs> I mean that I love that <laughs> yeah 60% of your maximum heart rate if you want to, if you want to do fat burning uh, that is actually quite an interesting like sort of thing that I'm not sure all runners know is that actually when, when we're talking about fat burning as opposed to kind of burning fats as opposed to burning carbohydrates yeah, yeah we're not talking about weight slower I mean, running that does that it crosses over into like running for weight loss and of course if that's yeah. how you use running uh then all, all the power to you but i think it's actually talk it's a useful one when we talk about energy sources within the body one of them's fat one mm. of them's carbs where does it do what 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 effort relates to what being burnt so yeah. that's quite an interesting study in relation to endurance running lower heart rate efforts what's the energy source and robbie thankfully goes into this as well when we when we asked him about it so it's a, it's a good study 
to sort of back up mm. what, what 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 we talk about later on. So there we go. Well, that's what we aim to do. And um, look, I think there's, there's a lot to cover here with heart rate um, training. So sh- shall we get shall we get him on? Yeah, let's do it. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone Could be an athlete Could be a physio Or a complete unknown Our guest this week is a coach ultra runner and the British record holder for 24-hour running. Here to tell us more about all he knows about heart rate training is Robbie Britton. Welcome back to the Runs Well podcast. Thanks, thanks, Rick. I know about all I know. There's some secrets that some best like left untold, surely. Yeah. But oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll share a, like a vast majority of it. See what we can cover in 25 minutes. That's all we ask. Um, look, let's start. With the, <laughs> let's, let's start. Let's start with the top line. Then, what exactly, in simplest possible terms, is heart rate training? What do we mean when we use that term? Blimey, that is that's such a simple but complicated mm, question. Yes. yes. Um, for me, I guess like it's it's the monitoring of your heart rate during exercise, either for the prescription of training or for the analysis after the fact, okay. or a bit of both. Yeah. Very good. That, that, was that was really good. That's very succinct. That, that was, was very good. I, yeah. That was very succinct, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> so when we sort of like people sort of rattle on about it, Runners World, everyone else, and we talk about heart rate zones and all that sort of training what are we talking about it depends what zone model you're talking about i think there's anywhere from three to 74 zones uh <laughs> like especially if you're looking at hummingbirds i feel like they've got a good range they've got like at least yeah, 70 zones a lot of top end yeah <laughs> a lot of it i think when we talk about kind of like heart rate zones we're looking at um exercise prescription and like what like how you should be setting out your training so you hear like about the 80 20 kind of um 80 percent of your uh training should be below a certain level 20 percent a little bit more um a little harder and so that might that can be done with different ways of kind of monitoring that heart rate being one of them um heart rate zones yeah i, I quite what do my my watch tells me there's five um yeah, but so i think i've five. told my yeah. watch to tell me there's five okay that makes sense so, so i just want to get the um the basics really clear. So, say, say we go with the five zones, Rob, because I think that's probably that's probably the most commonly familiar with, isn't it? And you got and you have zone one, zone two, zone three, zone four, zone five. Roughly speaking, what what kind of activities are going to be in in zone one and zone two? Like what what because zone two training gets talked about a lot. Are we talking about we're talking about easy jogging in those spaces? Is that right? Yeah. So like I suppose if we were gonna we're gonna go beyond the the numbers. Uh, you might say that some list one as recovery, two as primarily a, still aerobic training or a hard workout. And then you have, I think I've seen it, tempo interval. And then, yeah, the zone five is just the zone of death. Um, okay, right. that's, the, that's the academic name. <laughs> uh, so, like, I think for me, the, the, prime, like the, the bulk of your training should be around one and two. Um, so, like, I, I, I'm... I like to have graphs at this point to show it doesn't work well in a podcast. But like if you're talking in terms of lactate training, which obviously overcomplicates things, that's the, like your lactate threshold is the pace you can hold for like an hour, right? That's a hard workout and that's a specific thing we try and train. Stuff below that can come anywhere between zones one and two. Um, zone one can be really easy. You just kind of, you're trotting around. And zone two, again, if you, that can be, for me personally, 
it's not the bulk of my training. I kind of drift up into it. I go back to zone one and like it's an easy run is within those two. And I try to avoid them going out of that of that area into the slightly harder um, workout. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And then how do you benchmark? How do you benchmark then? So say if someone's sitting there going, well, how do I benchmark my fitness, say, if they're new to running or they're not as fit as, you know, a conditioned athlete? How are they going to see zone that sort of zone? Are you again? Are you going to go right? You need to run as hard as you can to work out your max, and then like seventy percent of that, sixty percent of that is what you're aiming for. The first thing I would say to people is that you want to be able to see a difference. If you're using heart rate, you want to see a difference between your easy runs, your hard runs, and your stuff in the middle. So, like, I would probably get people to start looking at free, free zones to start. With. If you're new to heart rate, like heart rate training, get an idea where your hard workouts are. Five k like 10k kind of workouts right then have a rough idea about where it is kind of half marathon effort and then get down to your easy stuff because again if you're talking about it depends on the level you're talking someone if they're sub three hours for the marathon that their marathon's still going to be in the in the middle of those two groups and it's not quite easy but if someone's running five six or seven hours for the marathon their marathon pace is probably in that zone too um it's it's kind of towards the 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 easier end of it like aerobically but actually it's not not easy right you've got to do it for six seven hours so i i would look at it if you want to get an idea at first start trying to tell the difference between them and even like for your kilometer rep session like we want if you're using heart rate for that we want to see where it's going up to in those reps and then mm. that it's coming down again. If it's not coming down, mm. that's what we call a float recovery. It's different, right? If you're actually standing still, you want to see that heart rate drop. You want to see your warm up lower than it is in your first rep, right? So like if we're starting yeah, to use yeah. heart rate, just start to get an understanding for where your own um, your own levels are and your own kind of, like just start look. So that's why I like it for after a session. Like I'll use it before, like I use it uh, I've got like a lot of information so I can kind of say, look, this is for my 24 hour racing. I have a heart rate I try and aim for, for my half marathon, for my marathon. I've got ideas. And then when I train at those effort levels in training, I know I use those as kind of a rough guide. I still go on how I feel because different stuff can change on the day and a heart rate can be impacted by caffeine, by adrenaline, by nerves and stress or lack of sleep. Um, but I use it in that regard. But I also look at it afterwards and I want to see what I want to be able to tell. So say I had a session, right? Say you, we had the K reps this morning, but we're starting in the first, say you've got six of them and you want to do the first couple at half marathon effort and then get gradually quicker. You'd want to see the heart rate doing that as well. And you might then be able to take that into your next time you're using it. So look, I know that's actually something I can sustain for this amount of time. And that, that starts getting you, I don't know, like it's kind of paint by numbers getting your your numbers and then trying to take it from the data you've got rather than mm. jumping straight and if i said go at, i mean yeah you're probably safe if you're saying 60 percent of your max heart rate you're probably going to be going easy but for some people that's going to be walking so it's yeah. it's then kind of okay where do i lie in that and for some people they might they might, the difference between you've got a thing called your heart rate reserve as well which is the amount of beats beats per minute between your resting heart rate and your max heart rate and for some people i've got a reasonably higher resting heart rate than others um but i've got for my age a reasonably higher max heart rate so then my kind of scale i'm using my hands again it's a podcast um (laughs) but my scale drifts along uh whereas other people have got a much lower and it's it's a lot that can be genetic as well a lower resting heart rate and then they might find that their the heart rates they operate on a day-to-day basis are, are lower but their maximums 
So I think my max, I hit 188 uh, on Monday night on a Zwift race. Um, wasn't pleasant. But like my most of my running is done at like 125 to 135 beats a minute. So there's there's a big range there, and having that and having that understanding of it, like I, that that's I think for me was one of the benefits. And, and if you're starting to get into heart rate training, the first couple of weeks I'd just wear it, I'd just look at it after. I wouldn't be looking at it going, oh the watch is telling me to slow down. Like if you know you run too fast all the time, then yeah, let the watch tell you to slow down. But if if you just want to see and then look back at it, and if you can't tell the difference, looking back from your easy runs and your threshold workouts and your K reps without looking at like when you're looking at the heart rate profile then you're doing something little wrong or you're using Hmm. wrist-based heart rate right well that that is good a good segue into educating us on kit so we've talked about like educating ourselves on the sort of the the process of us analyzing the the data but how are we going to get this data like most running watches now come with some sort of wrist-based heart rate monitor in them they are effective to a degree would you say if you wanted to do this properly, a chest strap is where people need to start, or is it? Is it? Is it? You can get enough data from a wrist, wrist-based. I, I have been an outspoken anti-wrist-based uh, person <laughs> in the past. Um, like a lot of the studies that have shown that they are accurate are done in cycling or at lower levels of activity. So it depends what you're trying to get out of it. Um, I'm guessing if you're listening to the Runners World podcast, you're not looking for primarily cycling <laughs> advice. Um, they have to be reasonably tight on the wrist if you are wearing it. Um, I've got a piece of metal in my left wrist, so that I think that maybe interferes with it as well. Um, and if you're going up and down hills, I feel the wrist base is too impacted by... I, I used to work with Tom Tom and they said it wasn't arm swinging in there, but something to do with the... It's impacted by going up and down hills. You still see it with some... I can tell looking at Strava in a mountain race if someone's wearing a wrist or a chest heart, uh, chest strap. Um Right. If you're just starting out and it seems to be telling you roughly what you think you're, like, is happening and you're primarily running on the flat, um, then try out with a – don't di- dive into an expensive chest strap straight away. Um, hmm. If you find that you're running with your, your wrist heart rate monitor and you're learning and you're kind of enjoying that part of it, don't let it kind of take over your world. But if you're enjoying the heart rate training, then I would look at either a chest strap or they've got new ones that go on the arm. Um, yeah. and they've been shown to be kind of level with the chest straps in terms of accuracy and reliability. Those are the two things you're looking for is accuracy and reliability. I, I, I'm a fan of the Garmin uh, Pro. I've got two of them behind me. It's just, that's my backdrop. Just thought, <laughs> I thought I'd make a good qualifier, but they're just I only have two because I'll run twice most days, and it's horrible in the summer to put oh, on the sweaty one the second time. So I, I had this like, like luxury item of a second heart rate strap. Um, but yeah, like that... The heart rate, the chest strap, and the um, the and the arm uh, band are the the most accurate the, and the reliable. Way to go. In in terms, Robbie, of like what what's the benefits of doing heart rate training above, say, I'm I'm just training to um, pace because I guess that's probably the other way people look at it. It's like I'm just going out for it's an eight minute this is eight minute myelin. Like, why do I need to know about heart rate? What's the what, what's what's the kind of benefit of it so it depends what you're training for right so if you are training for a marathon you need to practice that set pace then it can be useful but with heart rate it can take into account a load of external factors such as a windy day right if you're running eight minute miles and there's a massive gust of wind in your face um, you need to adjust that pace uh, for the same effort uh, if you're tired if your your heart rate can go be impacted by things like lack of sleep which changes our perception of effort 
Um, so then we're not working as hard as we think we are. Um, there's loads of stuff that heart rate can kind of take into account. Hotter days, uh, dehydration. So that heart rate can help us train to effort. And for me, it helps us make like train more intelligently in, in regards of our consistency. Because if we're constantly tied to a pace and we have to work harder to get it or like on an off day, we, we're, we're digging a hole when we should be just relaxing a bit. Our heart rate can be a good reminder like, hey, hold on a second. For me, your your trusty heart, um, this is harder work than usual. We should back off a bit. And you're like, nah, legs feel fine. Your heart's like, well, which is more important? I've seen plenty of people live without legs, but how many people live without a heart? Um, so that's the yeah, like listening to your heart in that regard. Um Equally as well, like I, some people say when they talk about heart rate, so well, it's impacted by caffeine, it's adrenaline, nerves, all this stuff. We can't trust it. I prefer good old fashioned, like how I'm feeling, which is great, right? I like to combine the two and use pace. But that's people then think that how we're feeling isn't impacted by everything around us as well. How we're feeling is impacted by the wind, by the uh, by our sleep, by our kind of how angry we are, what music we've got on and if someone overtakes us or how like I, I love churning on about rate of perceived effort but that's impacted if you're running out doing your efforts right and you're cruising around you're thinking i'm on top of the world this feels easy it's exactly the pace i need to go and then someone like laura muir is out doing an easy run at 5 30 minute miling and overtakes you right a chauvinist or not like you're gonna be like whoa hold on a second i'm rubbish that's what your brain tells you and your heart's like no 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 this is good we're bang on like stop listening to your head it's rubbish so then it's kind of like it can it's not perfect no kind of way of doing things is really but it can be really useful and i think slightly more in in some more than others slightly more use, useful than gauging via our own perception of effort this is the runner's world podcast hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And do you think it's an important one then? It's not just the, it's not the 
one metric to be benchmark above others. This is just that you've got to think, consider it as part of a package. So when we sort of like educate yourself on heart rate, it doesn't mean you just now out, you know, you're switching off every other thing on the watch and all you're seeing is you're just studying your heart going up and down. It's got to be like a joint venture between that and pace and I don't know, any other thing that you want to look at. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I think some people do, they kind of, that's the problem with a lot of like um, like training solutions, should we say. Like they have to, it's just this above all else. But actually, like you've got, and not just on your watch, but like the greatest, it's, it's your head. It's your head and how you're feeling. And like that, like if, you're, if your heart rate's spot on and your pace is spot on, but you feel like an absolute mess, then just ease back, right? Because in terms of your training, that's, you're using a, a better gauge than any of those two. Um, if you're if it feels super easy and your heart rate's kind of through the roof, then yeah, take that information in. But then just kind of like sometimes it can be an error with the heart rate strap. It can be the battery getting low. It could be something like on the wrist one when you're going downhill, it might drop. Like there's all kinds of things that we can't just rely on it. Um, sometimes when you like when you put a heart rate strap on for the first time, you've got to wet the receptors. Otherwise, it waits until you start sweating. And sometimes people see a spike at the start. And yeah, like 99% of the time, that's just because it's getting ready. Sometimes it's your heart, right? So you just got to be careful of that stuff. But it's, we, yeah, we can't use it in isolation. I, I, I Again, my run this morning was two hours, nice and easy. And I, like I use, I run around and I, if I was just focusing on the on the heart rate, I wouldn't, for one, be able to listen to the, the Infinite Monkey Cage podcast, which obviously just after the run of as course, well. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, but like, Good. Yeah. But I... Like, I'd be I wouldn't enjoy the run as much I'd just be focusing on this number going up and down that I can control but can't really I can like but I suppose it's it's a bit of two ways whereas like if you're there and you're checking it and generally if you I quite like it if you can get to a point where you know that heart rate's crept up you get to a hill and you're like oh I wonder what it is it oh it is that number oh or you you get a bit excited because the music track comes on and you know you've changed your effort without looking at the watch but then the watch confirms it with the heart rate that can be a really good gauge for like for racing and for kind of getting used to it and it might might not always be though i ran 50k um a couple years ago last year year before i don't know one of these years um and just before in my warm-up the battery died in my heart rate monitor and i was i was dead set on using the heart rate because i hadn't raced that distance in a long time to gauge my effort so i had to just okay i'll stick with pace and rpe and it wasn't there and like i had to gauge it entirely myself and i'd been relying on the heart rate beforehand and if you rely on it too much, that can really derail you. And, and it's kind of just important to realise that it's not the be all and end all, um, but it can be very, a useful tool, but one tool in a in a varied toolbox. Yeah. Is it, I mean, it sounds like it's something that you would use in the race itself, so not to not just a training tool, but actually something that you would use while racing. Do you think it is as as useful in that context? Yes. Yeah. And I think it can be really useful in a race if you've got a good grasp of where it should or shouldn't be. Um, I know that roughly for a half marathon, mine can sit around what, like 180, 181 for a, for a marathon. It should be around like it shouldn't be over like the low 170s in the early stage of a marathon. Um, I generally find it's for me, it's about not working too hard in the early stages. One, if you especially if you've tapered for a race, like you could be as fit as you've ever been and actually what feels comfortable from a physical kind of muscular point of view is actually a little bit faster than usual because you're usually doing all this marathon training on tired legs and suddenly you get to race day your legs are popping and you're like well hold on a second 520s feels like 530s did last week um you can use miles or k's for that interpretation um and 
suddenly you're running off the pace like, like a pace that isn't sustainable for the amount of time that you want to be running that marathon whereas the heart rate might give you a better idea okay you've got to take into some pre-race nerves but it gives you a better idea um I, I i like it for that i like it for okay i shouldn't go above this and sometimes so like i my marathon pb was in valencia which is obviously grown in popularity maybe because of the series of articles i wrote about it because of what you did yeah because of what you did um and at the first half of the race i found myself with the lead ladies group which was a, a like a 520s then it was slower those days um and after a while like after about a mile i was like i shouldn't be here i should be with another group a few groups back um so I eased back a little bit, but my uh, heart rate crept up, crept up, crept up. And around the halfway point, it was at a point beyond what it should have been. So I could either stop and let it drop, slow down below the pace I yeah. wanted to run, or just ignore it because it was no longer telling me something that was useful. And I chose to do the latter. I was like, well, yeah. uh, this situation, I put myself here. And I ended up running a much higher heart rate than I would have normally done for a, a marathon. Um, I probably had a, a, I did have a positive split in the race. Like the second half was definitely slower. I was getting overtaken by a lot of people. I managed to achieve my goal. Maybe I could have gone a bit quicker if I'd have paid more attention to my heart rate in the first half. But in that second half, it was only going to make me feel sad seeing it. Like it was like an average of, it was above my half marathon um, at like total average uh, about 12 miles in so like i had another hole and I, it went up yeah it was huge it was well off the scale of what i would if i'd have looked at it i'd have gone oh no i'm working too hard whereas in reality that, that information mm-hmm. wasn't useful to me then so i went to another screen which was average pace and was like well well that's the only one that matters yeah that looked great that was that was <laughs> yeah. moving in the wrong direction uh, as you could say <laughs> but I, yeah so it's kind of use it when it's useful to okay, you yeah if you know you hmm. start too fast then hey could be a big win there if you know you don't start fast enough yeah, yeah, yeah. start faster yeah is it is it a metric that's more useful then for for distance would you say for like when you're you're doing these big big long races and you know you need to be able to comfortably sit 130 120 whatever it's otherwise because you know you've got such a long race ahead of you is is distance longer distance stuff like half marathon marathon and beyond is this heart rate better for that like 5k 10k shorter stuff seems to be more just about like going and holding on and your heart rate will just be high and that's kind of a given <laughs> that's the gig yeah <laughs> so there's a lag in in how how like how how soon it gets to the point it's telling you what's going on right so like if you set off too fast in a 5k by the time your heart rate tells you you're mm. going too fast it's it's most likely too late um uh, yeah. same that's why people in prescription of like efforts if they're shorter efforts we wouldn't use heart rate as say some even like 800s or, or 400 like anything that short because by the time it's kind of stabilized the plateaued at the effort you're working at you're done right especially even more so like doing hill sprints or strides like by the time it's like it's probably peaking after you stop the effort um which is no use in terms of prescription but looking back on it you can then t- see a story from that so for like 5k 10k if it's kind of going up and then just staying high the whole way, great. That's, that's bit, and, and you feel like you're finishing strong, like, couple it in with the pacing data. Okay, that, have you run a PB? Right, that's a good sign. If it's dropping off to the end of your 5K or 10K, then I would say you're probably working too hard. And maybe there's something there you could work, like you could, okay, look, next time. And that's the beauty of a 5K or 10K. You can do them slightly more often than a 24-hour race. Um, so, yeah, I would kind of look at it in that regard. If you know... Like it might be that you okay. I know if I go over one eight five for ten k, 
right? I know I'm I'm going into the red zone. Like I've got minutes left, and I, I'm only five k in. You could use it, yeah, for sure. But like not as easily as you might for one of the longer distances, because you ease in the first few miles are more sustainable. Like the five k is hard from pretty early doors. Same with the ten k. Um, and then with the longer stuff, you can also tie into uh, stuff like your your metabolic use, so what you're burning in terms of carbs, what you're turning burning in terms of fats. So what's going to slow me down? Mm. for marathon and beyond um it's less likely my heart giving up that's one thing but 24-hour racing it's my heart doesn't go well that's enough um you run out of energy you get really <laughs> tired hopefully touch wood i've got more to come so if i yeah, this will be yeah, yeah, this will be yeah. a dark <laughs> podcast play it afterwards sorry yeah, wouldn't it? sorry yeah. mum um <laughs> sorry <laughs> but yeah like you can use it in terms of I, I know that if i'm at this level i'm burning this many carbs and this much from fat and if i'm working harder that's interesting um and that could be not necessarily tied to pace it could be the the heat the humidity all kinds of bits of bobs um so yeah the value goes up the further you go along um but you and it just depends when you're using it like i I like looking at someone's data for a 5k and a 10k with a heart rate because it should just steeply go up and then gradually climb until there's a little spike at the end when they sprint to the finish um that's ideally what you'd see if it's if it's Another thing I like to look at is if, if there is ups and downs um, in a race, if people can't, like, if you can see that on the heart rate profile. If you can't see the heart rate profile like, in terms of ups and downs, I think you can work on that as well. And you should be slightly lower going downhill. You should be not, like, if you're working too hard on the uphill and you get to the the, the top and then your heart rate doesn't recover on the way down a little bit, even if you're staying fast, then there's sort of things you can work on. So yeah, there is information you can you can garner from it. Um, on that, because it's an interesting point that you mentioned in terms of nutrition and strategy around that and how heart rate can inform that. Can you just expand on that a bit, like how heart rate relates to fat burning, carb burning, you know, energy sources? And I'm, I'm going back to my privilege of being able to get in a lab, a laboratory and look at that. So like we, we do things like <laughs> uh, measuring the like gas analysis, so like the, the, the oxygen, carbohydrate going in and out and, and the kind of levels tell us um via some fancy algorithms that i've got no idea about um tell us mm. how what percentage of the energy we're burning is coming from carbohydrates or stored body fats um and at different effort levels that will increase it generally like at lower effort levels it might be 80 percent fat 20 percent carbs as you get closer to your marathon pace it's probably gonna like it'll sneak sneak up to 50 50 and at that point it then switches over and it's like 60 40 80 20 the other way until at like 5k effort you, you primarily like 100 percent of what you're burning is is carbohydrate because your body's working too hard to to go through the slightly more laborious task of processing stored body fat so it's like just grabbing it where it can um so like mm-hmm. if you have that information you can you can use that and then kind of tie that to your to your heart rate um and one like a way of looking at this outside of a laboratory it's you i like I, I, this is me kind of guessing stuff here more than anything i, I like there's an idea around cardiac drift mm. right so if you're running this say we're running eight minute miles um and we keep that pace the same we're on a track there's very little kind of external uh, issues um if your heart rate starts to rise for that same effort that same pace the whole way around but your heart rate so say like after an hour and a half it's 10 beats or higher for the same pace that's what we would call cardiac drift so it's mm. kind of you're you're going the same pace for the, for a higher effort and if you can if if you can manage your your heat your hydration and nutrition effectively you can keep that drift or you can minimize that drift so if you are looking at longer races if you're doing a long run looking at your marathon you're testing your fuel 
if you get to the end of that and your heart rate isn't kind of like 20 beats a minute higher for the same pace, then that's a good sign. It's not the most scientific, but it's one I think like you could look at. And if you're getting to the end of a two hour run, two and a half hour run, and the same pace is, is kind of 15, 20 beats a minute higher, there's something to do with your pacing, your nutrition, your hydration, all your training. There's other factors that you could look at and try and improve. And that could be something you try to improve in the future. And until then, you could try 10 minutes a mile slower and see how that impacts your heart rate over the course. If it limits the cardiac drift, then that's a more sustainable uh, effort level for you um, at a slightly lower pace. So that's how I would use it there. And it, okay, it doesn't tell us fats, carbs, firmer regulation what the factor is but it kind of gets all of those together which is going to happen in a race anyway and gives us an idea okay well, how can we mess around with this what can i what can i change that will impact me individually there you go robbie thanks so much for for your time thanks coming on the runners world podcast talking it wasn't all you know about the heart but it was some good stuff there i'd say yeah yeah we kept some secrets <laughs> mine's uh mine's still going so it's all right so you can trust on that yeah. my heart works yeah. and it works for a long time <laughs> Um, best of luck with all your running, Robbie, as well. We look forward to um, seeing what you're up to in 2024 as well. That's some good stuff. Some good. St- I'm going to do 100k next. I'm going to try that out because I haven't got one of those really, like not a proper one. I've done them kind of on the way. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and I'll on a track on a, a, a park park like loop in Holland. Um, the Ho Ho Hundred. Right. Felt like a good time of year to. And it's in the memorial of a guy called Marco Groot. Who I turns out I met like a few years ago at like different 24 hour races. Unfortunately, he's passed away, but I'm going to go and do his memorial race. So that's like, I was like, oh, that's cool. But um, yeah, 100K is good fun. And that, again, I think massively ties into the cardiac drift stuff. I'll be looking at that for the course of, of 100K. How much can I limit that for that distance? So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A huge thanks to our guest, Robbie Britton, and to you, of course, for listening. You can subscribe to three issues of Runners World for just £5. Head to runnersworld.com slash UK slash podcast offer to get this exclusive listener offer. I mean, I haven't actually checked that link for a while. I imagine it still works. I hope it still does. If not, just Google, just, yeah, let's know, podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. Also, just Google Runners World subscription. That's a better idea because then you can get all of the issues for the whole year to your front door. Not just three, all of them. And that's much better. Um, please distribute this podcast willy-nilly. Just throw <laughs> it out there on WhatsApp groups. Just let people know that it's happening. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, and you'll hear from us again next week. Perfecto. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.